Welcome to Messy Workplace, a podcast where we reimagine what a healthy work culture looks like. Life is not static, whether it's a hardship in the workplace or difficulties at home. You may be continually overwhelmed, grasping for a breath. We want to do life alongside you, talking about the things that matter to you. This isn't another leadership podcast, but rather a podcast on how to be holistically healthy in the workplace, at home, and on the run. We may carry the fight we had with our spouse the night before into work that morning, and then a coworker gets on our last nerve and agitation runs rampant. Then we take it out on the kids that evening. It's a never-ending cycle of frustration, hurt, and pain. Life isn't as clear-cut as we'd like it to be, and that's okay. Life is messy sometimes, but it doesn't have to be all the time. Embrace it and find new ways to re-emerge from the mess into a more healthy lifestyle. Welcome to Messy Workplace. Today we're talking with Matt Heinrichsy. Matt is a compassionate and caring person who is passionate about helping people find life in Jesus. He has over 20 years experience as a pastor, organizational leader, and coach. He has a strong vision for coaching pastors, individuals, and teams toward integrating spiritual and emotional health into their lives. He has learned not to only just survive trauma and pain, but live a fulfilling life and loves helping others do the same. Matt, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, great to be with you guys. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thanks, Matt. Uh, you're in San Diego today, right? Yeah, yeah. Most days I'm, I'm here. Um, emotionally, some days I'm elsewhere, but uh, yeah, most, most days I'm physically here. I think emotionally I am in San Diego. And <laughs> yeah, I'd like physically, to. Physically, I'm in Chattanooga, Tennessee, but uh, yeah. Yeah. boy, that is a, that's a wonderful place to live, right? I mean, is it? I've yeah. been there. Uh, is it? Is it all the hype to live there? I know it's a tough place to live right now, but I mean, it's it's tough financially to live here. But yes. um, I, I, you're catching me on a I don't know when this will air, but on a Friday morning, and so my normal Friday morning routine after I get kids settled and all those kinds of things that I take my I take my two dogs to the beach, and there's this an ocean beach. There's this huge dog beach that's just full of uh, just craziness and so every friday morning i'm there and um and so that that is sort of like my and my dog's happy place so um and try to get out there at least once a week that sounds phenomenal and now you're just completely rubbing it in yeah <laughs> i'm jealous. Yeah, exactly. I'm for, jealous for giving us that visual um i know you live in san diego but where are you from where did you grow up yeah originally from the central valley of california so the fresno Clovis area and uh, yeah, born and raised in there, Fresno State, um, Bulldog. Yeah, that's right. So um, yeah, born and raised there and then and then uh, found my way down here about five years ago. So can't can't claim to be a native here, but yeah, California. But you've lived that California life is I know you've had 20 plus years of ministry experience being a pastor. Um, you know, I, and I, I assume you've been just in California the whole time, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's the whole time there. So, you know, you probably wouldn't know the difference if it was in Tennessee or Georgia or California, but what makes California unique, uh, in that environment? Um, what, what, what makes ministering in California unique? Oh, well, I think, you know, just having some longevity in, in, in that 
environment of ministry and church life, um, I, I think a lot of it is just navigating as a church, navigating and, and sort of trying to translate culture becomes one of the greatest challenges for us. Um, you know, obviously on the West coast or in California, you know, there's just culturally, there's a lot of dynamics that sort of, you know, that they, they're rapidly accelerating in some ways. And, and so the church is always in this constant tension of how do we navigate a culture that's changing rapidly. That's, that's very different than the one that we grew up with very different than the one that we, um, would embrace in many ways, but how do we continue to love people? How do we continue to listen, um, learn and, um, and grow with the culture and not be, you know, always so against it or opposite of it. When did you, when did you really feel the calling to be a pastor? Well, I, you know, I didn't grow up in the church, so I didn't have any church background at all. And uh, it wasn't until, you know, I think into my senior year of high school that I, I got introduced uh, by a friend to church which then introduced me to the gospel and 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 from there i i really felt this i don't know this change in my my whole perception of of what was true what was real uh what was important my perspective changed a ton and i really felt this really this desire to love and serve people and i really felt like that um you know that calling or that sense of calling into that vocation for me made a lot of sense. It just, it, it became whole life. It wasn't just, Oh, I, I'd like to do that with part of my life. It became, I want to do that with all of my life. I want to serve God. I want to love God. I want to follow him and I want to serve and love others. So that's kind of how it, how it worked in. Wow. So with, you know, 20 years of experience over 20 years of experience in this in California, you know, there's all this shifting with culture, especially in the past 20 years, but um, within the past year with coronavirus, what has been the biggest shift that you've seen that, um, one, you know, one of the biggest shifts, there's probably multiple, um, but especially being in California in the middle of a pandemic, um, when it comes to people's emotional health, but then also just their overall soul health, um, and what they're longing for and looking for in the midst of this isolation that we're all facing. Yeah. Great question. I, it's, I mean, to be honest, it's a mess. <laughs> it's a mess. And I think I can't speak for other parts of the country, uh, only to the extent that I coach other pastors in different states and things like that and and hear something similar. But what what's so surprising to me now is just the heightened level of anxiety, hmm. um, the heightened level of fear. I, I think we're always sort of teeter on, teetering on those and walking a fine line of fear and anxiety and worry about, okay, what, what's life going to throw at us? And I mean, but then we're all sort of been thrown into this mess together and kind of experiencing a lot of this pain and a lot of this suffering at the same time together in the same ways. And so in, in a weird way, it, it has the ability to bond us and draw us together and unify us. But in, and then the same exact other side of the coin is that it, I've seen tremendous amount of disunity, even within the church, even within, you know, um, you know, staffs of churches where they're just divided. They're divided on, should we be 
Should we be staying open? Should we close down? Should we wear masks? Should we not wear masks? Should we, you know, should we temperature check everybody that comes through the door? You know, all those kinds of things become just, just opportunities for this, this climate of, of anxiety and fear. And so I think it's, it's, it's a really, really tough time for a lot of people. Uh, what are some ways then um, that you see like a solution to some of the problems as uh, that be like soul care? So kind of like what do you see soul care as and then how do you see soul care addressing these felt needs um, mm. with people? And, and why should people even be concerned about uh, the care of their soul? That's a lot of questions, but uh, yeah. they kind of all hopefully flow Backed together. It in there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, well, I will even take it back a step further. I don't know. I don't know if the average person, even the average church going person, just the average person in our world, even knows what the heck soul care is. Yeah. Let alone have an idea of what in the world is their soul. What is the soul? What? How do I care for some? I, I understand hair care, right? I understand, you know, um, I have a beard now, so I have to have beard care. You know, there's, there's certain things you have to think about that. Um, but, but we don't, we don't even know what the soul is. Mm-hmm. We don't even know how do you, how do you help and serve something that you don't even really understand fully. And, and so I think that one of the greatest challenges right now is, is helping people understand that they're more than their circumstances. They're more than, than their lives. They're more than what they think. And they're more than what they feel that, that there's this part of who they are, this inner essence of who they are that, that needs attention. And we're, 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 we're not always good at just giving attention to our external things like our body and our, you know, minds and taking care of those kinds of things, let alone taking care of something that, we just don't even understand and we don't even know how to address or fix. So I, I don't know if that doesn't answer all your, pro, you know, all your questions, but yeah, you know, yeah. I think, I think you, you kind of nailed it on the head that, that people really uh, don't even know where to begin when it comes to soul care, because they can't really describe what it is. They know that they're feeling it, but it's so much more than just a feeling. You know, one of the things we talk about at work chaplain is holistic wellness. Uh, it certainly starts with the soul. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it permeates throughout the rest of your being. It, it permeates to your physical wellness, uh, your mental and emotional wellness. But certainly it begins with the soul. Uh, so, what, you know, you understand that. And that's one of the things that we are passionate about uh, as well. How do you care for your own soul, Matt? Hmm. What are some I, of the ways that you do that? Yeah. Um, well, outside of the, you know, the, the weekly trip to the beach with the dogs, which yeah, that would help my soul for sure. Not everybody has that luxury. I understand. Um, so I think one of the things that I've learned that's the most helpful thing for me by far is learning to become aware mm-hmm. and awareness. When we talk, you know, you hear people talk about self-awareness. Yeah. Um, and, and that's sort of like, in many ways, when we say, oh, I'm, you know, I'm self-aware, that person's self-aware, we're just meaning like they know that they're messed up and they need help. Like it's sort of like kind of begins and ends there. Right. I, but, but to be aware um, 
is to be attuned. That that's a great you know psychological word used in thrown as attunement, right? Yeah. It's, it's sort of to be in harmony with, to to be aware of, and and so for for me to care for my soul means that I have to be attuned. Mm-hmm. I have to be. I have to slow down enough in my life, in my mind, and in my body to be aware of what's going on around me. Mm. And if I'm aware of what's going on around me, I can then begin to become aware of what's going on within me. That's good. And so if I can slow down enough, I can begin to to kind of listen to my body. You know, your body aches. A lot of people say, you know, like, where do you feel tension right now? That's a great indicator. You know, like if you're having neck and back problems, like there's an indicator, right? It's an, it's an awareness. Um, do you, you know, are you, you know, are you feeling short of breath? I mean, there's all sorts of things that our body tells us there's something wrong. Well, well, our souls do the same thing. Our minds have, have these, you know, thoughts that are sometimes healthy, sometimes obsessive. Our, Our feelings and emotions tell us something about the condition of our soul. And so for me, I I just, more than anything, I think it's slowing down enough to just listen and and observe. Yeah, that's good. Slowing down is something that our country doesn't do a good job of, you know, really living in the moment. We're always, we're always casting vision for what's ahead and vision is important. I mean, the Bible even talks about, you know, where there's no vision, the people perish. Uh, people die, you know, uh, but certainly if we are just so caught in future casting our lives and not living in the moment and slowing down, we want things at a, just a breakneck speed. Uh, we want information quickly. We want uh, results quickly. Uh, we want everything now, mm-hmm. but that's not the, that's not the nature of who we are really. Um, that's that's more of a forced outcome. Um, what are some of the things that will help us slow down the process of life? You know, we we certainly, you know, I, I know being in my 40s now, I, I feel like I'm getting older and it's going quickly. It's going too quickly. I see my kids growing up. Mm-hmm. You know, how do we slow this thing down? Because I, I need to I need to slow it down for sure. Yeah. Well, I'll go back to that idea of attunement. Um, when you can begin to realize that you you are not just this that 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 there's a part of you that's that's eternal. Yeah. That that part of you that's eternal that lives beyond this life um, has incredible value, and we spend so much time valuing the external things that, you know, that when those things start to go, I'm in my forties as well. When those things start to go as they naturally do, you're like, wow, you're grieving the loss of something that God never even really felt was that important for you. Yeah. You know, like he, in terms of priority list, he didn't value it as high as you and I do sometimes. Yeah. Um, and so I think, I think becoming aware of this, this idea that, I'm more than just what I think. I'm more than what I feel. I'm more than what I do. I'm more than what people think about me. There's this person that, that, that exists inside of me, this inner life, this, this inner reality that mm-hmm. the essence of who I am, I need to get to know that person. And, and really for me as a pastor and as a coach, 
for me, what that looks like is if I can help somebody understand who God is, they will, they will begin to understand to the, to a greater degree who, who they are, who they really are. When you, when you realize that God, God isn't, God isn't looking at a to-do list with your name next to it and wondering why you're not getting enough done. You know, he, he's, he's wanting to be with you wondering why, why haven't you slowed down? Why haven't you spent time? Mm. And we get that in terms of our relationships with our kids or our spouse and friends that it takes time, but we don't give that kind of time to our lives. So we, we don't slow down. And yeah, our culture just, even with this pandemic, I think, I think, one of the greatest things you can do is accept the reality. We're in California now and our governor is shutting everything down again. And, and everyone is just livid. I mean, they're, they're mad and, and I don't like it either, but, but if I fight against that, then I'm, I'm, it's like, yeah, but if I go, okay, I, I need, I need to hold tight. I need to slow down. I've been actually forced to slow down. Like in many of us are being forced right now, forced to slow down. That's not a bad thing. Yeah. Yeah. Zach and I were talking about that earlier today. You know, you know, really we've all needed a year like this, to be honest with you. Yeah. I know it's been the hardest, most difficult year, uh, especially for businesses. Uh, financially, we've seen so many deaths. Uh, it's, it's just been a different year for all of us, challenging beyond measure, mm-hmm. but something about this has been embracing the pause. Mm-hmm. You know, we've had to pause several times, especially when we, when we were all in quarantine right? Um, right. back in March, April, May, whenever that was. Uh, but certainly, um, you know, you could have gone two different ways with that pause. You could have wasted the pause or you could have embraced the pause and actually grew and learned and, and done several things that, maybe just helped us slow down enough to really realize who we are, like you were saying, and who God is. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's, that's important. I think this year is important. We're going to look back in the long run, even in the life of work chaplain and what we do. Um, it's actually helped us build the, the foundation, the solid foundation that we need to propel us in the future. Yeah. Um, Talk a little bit about that. I, I know that you wrote an, uh, a blog post a while back called Identity Crisis. <laughs> you kind of alluded to that um, just a little while ago about identifying who we are. I think as a country, as uh, as a world, really, we are in a major identity crisis. And if you just really boil that down to an individual so many people that are probably going to be listening to this podcast are going through an identity crisis of not knowing who they are, what their purpose is and what their future looks like. There's really a a stress and an anxiety because of it. Um, Talk a bit about that identity crisis. Hmm. Well, in many ways, I, I really feel like it's the best thing that could ever happen to a person. Is, yes. to go, is to go through an identity crisis or even an exis- existential crisis of some kind. Yeah. Now, what's, what's scary is how, how you respond to that crisis makes all the difference in the world. Yes. So if, you know, we are culturally, we are as a church, individuals going through, you know, uh, all sorts of different crises in terms of 
you know, our identity. Who are we? We don't even know who we are anymore. We don't know how we. And so for me personally, what happened was, is my life about a year and a half ago really began to kind of implode as a pastor. And, you know, 23 years of ministry, um, basically, I, I put my faith in Christ and then I became a pastor. And it was the best thing that ever happened to me. And it was probably the worst thing that ever happened to me Yeah, because my identity was wrapped up in what I did mm-hmm. and what people, uh, how people viewed me, um, you know, how well I did at my job, uh, what people thought of me. And so, um, I think when, when, when crisis happens, when, when trauma happens, when, when things go south, as they do, and as we are in our world right now, um, you know, you really have this great opportunity, unlike any other, to sort of find yourself again. You know, we joke about the the forty year old man buying a, you know, a, a, a red Miata and and you know, I, I don't know, driving down the coast, but or 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 a Harley. It could be something a lot more manly. Yeah, uh, yeah, but. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a real thing. It's a real thing when, when, when those pieces that you claimed and held on to that you thought were your identity are pulled out from under you when they're gone or when they're forced away from you, you're really left with actually what God wants the most, which is who you really are, mm. the essence of who you really are. And so it's the greatest opportunity you'll ever have. You know, I know Jeremy, you and I talked about that, you know, like just yeah. in terms of, how God's worked in our lives, but sure. it's such an incredible opportunity. And, but only if you see it as an opportunity, mm. if you see it as an obstacle, if you see it as, as everybody's against me, the world's against me, Biden's against me, Trump's against me. I don't care whatever your politics are, you know, yeah. this is an opportunity. And, um, and, and so that's what, that's mm. sort of what happened. God kind of rebirthed me. Um, you know, a year and a half ago and has been working on me a tremendously, you know, because I, I just, I just went with it. Yeah. So, Embraced. so what has, uh, no doubt that what happened to you a year and a half ago was like a big, uh, catalyst moment in your life. Um, but even before that, and then including that, like, what was your journey like to discover, like you, you have this soul and then how do you care for this soul? Like, cause we all have one, but, um, you know, like what we talked about earlier and realizing that you have one, I think is an important step. And so like, what was kind of your process in realizing I have this soul and then what happened to you, to you a year and a half ago, um, in kind of this existential crisis, your whole world falling apart. Like I resonate with that because that kind of happened to me about the same time, very different circumstances, but the idea of it. And then for me, especially it's like, wait, I have like, what is it to gain everything that I could ever want in the field that I'm in, but to lose my soul and then I yeah. freaked out because I'm like, wait, what is my soul? Uh, and right. so kind of like, what was your process and journey like with that? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's a really good, Zach, you asked really long, good questions. So good. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> good for you. Um, you know, I I would love to say that like, oh man, I just, I've just learned and it's because I've sat at the feet of Jesus and man, I just, all these incredible, honestly, it's been, I've been a, idiot more times than I've been (laughs) smart. I've, I've messed up. I've learned so many things the hard way. Um, I can remember years ago, it first started with me as a, 
as a church planter. Um, and after four, four and a half years of church planting, I burned out mm. because I just had no boundaries. I couldn't say no to anybody or anything. And, and it was, it was out of that time. It really took about two years of rebuilding my life of just completely messing it up. Um, running from God, running from calling, running from life, mm. avoiding everything, coping terribly, um, doing all sorts of terrible things that, man, I, I really came to this place where I was like, man, there's got to be more to this life. There's got to be more to what I'm doing and why I'm doing it. And I think that's where, you know, uh, identity crisis and existential crisis go hand in hand is that if you don't have a sense of purpose, like, why do I exist? Why am I even here? You know, not, not, not just who I am, who am I? Mm -hmm. That's great. You know, but why do I exist? Why does any life exist? Mm -hmm. And then you look back at like Psalm 139 and you see that, that, that even before David was formed, he says, you, you formed my innermost parts. Mm -hmm. You, 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 you had a, and then he, you know, he's like, you, you had plans for me. You thought about me all the time. Even in my mother's womb, you know, you had this, this, this purpose for my life. And so for me, it's been a, it's been a painful work in progress to where now I just, you know, this time around, I, I made a commitment to God and myself that I wasn't going to respond in the way I did before. And I was going to really dive deeply into who uh, God is, who I am in him and really understand you know, to a greater degree, um, who I am, um, and, and what God's purpose is for my life. And so that's where a lot of what I'm doing now came from, you know, is this, is this purpose to say, God, you, man, there's so much more to life right now than, than what I'm living for. And, and I was a pastor and I'm helping people walk with Jesus and do all these church fun, you know, great things for God. And I didn't know what the heck I was doing. <laughs> That's a scary thing. <laughs> it's always a scary thing. I don't right. think any of us, I mean, we're all amateurs here, right? I mean, we, none of us have got it all figured out. And uh, I don't know how many times that, that I've had to shift gears in my life and in my career. And, and uh, purpose really is something that I, I, I've struggled with. Even, you know, I, I tell people this all the time. I really didn't start living until I was 40. Mm. Things started really changing in my life. And you've made a, you've made a significant, not a significant shift, but certainly a shift in your career yeah. in the last little bit. Uh, tell us a little bit about uh, your caring which is a, a great website. Uh, I encourage everyone to go check that out. Tell us about what you're doing now. You've kind of shifted gears from being a pastor to more of being a coach. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I sort of always had this uh, heart and calling when I, when I, um, when I went through church planning assessment years ago, you know, where they tell you whether you should plant or not, or whether you're going to be a good pastor or not. Um, they, uh, yes, they, they have you take all these personality tests and do all these psychological poking and prodding. And, and um, one of the assessments, the profiles that came out for me was this, this idea that they said your personality style and leadership style is a caring coach. Mm. And that always stuck with me because um, I, even when I began to sort of roll out this this concept and this this ministry and business, um, you know, I had some very smart marketing friends that were like, 
dude, you can't call it your caring coach. Like <laughs> I have a friend that calls it the care bear coach. Like you, I'm like, man, I know I get it. I get that, you know, but I have this, I have this heart and this passion that, that, that not everybody needs a coach that's going to kick him in the butt. Yeah. And, and sometimes sure. you need that, but, but, but really what I needed is what I want to be for others, which is someone that comes alongside you and says, look, you know, and I know that God has so much more for you in your life. And, and I know that you're in, in, in a tremendous amount of pain right now, but if you will allow God to heal that pain and to, and, 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 and for me to help you work through that pain, you will live an incredible life and, and be full of purpose and passion. And so that's, that's really the heart of it. And honestly, it came out of, um, and I haven't really shared this yet before, but um, I spent a little more than a you know night or two in um, in a mental hospital over mm. a year ago, mm. and and it was it was out of that moment that I I had this awakening in my mind, like I, I had I I found myself there because I was just I went I was a, I had an extreme panic attack and just just lost my mind for about forty eight hours and. Um, it was out of that that I, I thought, you know, um, I know that there are a lot of people who are hurting, mm. who don't know where to find help, mm. don't know how to find help. And there are especially a lot of pastors and leaders yeah. who don't know where to go to find help. Because I didn't. I didn't. Sure. And so that's that's sort of the, the genesis of it, the story uh, uh, behind it. And, and I just thought, you know, I, I have to do something more to leverage my life. Um, and, and I love being a pastor, but I, I love leading and, and sharing and, and pastoring pastors and, and, and leaders too. So, Wow. I love that. Um, we don't have too much time left, but in the short amount of time that we do have left, what um, would just be a thought that you'd want to leave someone who, um, is on this process of discovering they have a soul and then they want to take care of it. Like what are some, just a couple of things real quick that uh, they can do um, that you, that, you know, you've done that you've noticed that help you in this process to realize like, I need to take care of this thing that I'll have forever. Yeah. I, th I think, and this may not be as specific as you're looking for, but um, be honest with yourself and with someone else. That's good. I think that um, that it's really hard. Um, um, I don't know where I heard it, but there, there's this idea, this concept that um, that um, that that pain is is this is 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 sort of caused by a resistance to reality. Mm. And um, obviously it's caused by a lot of things, but, but pain, if you think about it, is always something that happened in the past. Mm. I mean, unless you're in the moment, right this second, experiencing something that's traumatic, that's happened. Pain is something that existed, right? But it's a reality that existed. And oftentimes we resist that reality to the point that it causes us to cause ourselves more pain. Mm. So to be honest with yourself is to say, I'm in pain. I hurt. I need help. 
and I need to voice that to someone. Yeah. And, and honestly, if you're able to be honest and voice that to someone else, then there's a certain level of, of, of help that will come. Like if they're a good friend, if they, if they don't care about you at all, then good luck, but, but find someone you trust that loves you, that you can be honest, honest with yourself and then honest with them about the condition of, of, of your life, your heart, your mind, where you're at and, and, and let them know. I think that begins the journey of it for you. And then, and that, yeah. And as a part of that, don't resist reality. You know, if, yeah, just, just acknowledge that this sucks. This is hard. This doesn't feel good. I don't like being on quarantine. I don't like working remotely right now. I don't like that, you know, but if you resist that reality, you will, you, you're going to find that you're going to continue to wound yourself and hurt yourself day in, day out. And then obviously there are practices. There are things that, that cultivate the soul um, better than others. Um, Silence, solitude, um, journaling, those kind of things. Um, Again, it goes back to like, how do I attune myself? There's no way to attune yourself to who you are and who God is. Mm. If you do not get some quiet time, you got to have some time alone in the silence away from people, away from cell phones, away from distraction. Yeah, we all, we all need more of that. That's for sure. You know, one of the great misconceptions that we have is that leaders uh, don't have any struggles. And even a more misconception is that leaders that are in the church or pastors or in ministry don't have any struggles. And we all know that's completely false. Right. That's fake news. Uh, leadership many times is lonely. Uh, but also followership is lonely. Everyone gets lonely. What are some of the struggles that you're seeing right now as you invest in other leaders and other people? What are the, really the, some of the, the pain points that these guys and, and ladies are experiencing as you coach them? Mm-hmm. Yeah, good question. Um, I, think, I think generally speaking that leadership is lonely. Mm. It doesn't – it's not really the way that God designed it. It's not the really the way it's supposed to be, but the reality of it is that it's lonely, that the higher you move up the, the, the ladder of leadership, often the lonelier it gets right. um, along the way. And, um, and, 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 the, and the more pressure you feel oftentimes to be something that you may or may not be. Mm. Um, to, to, you know, when, and, and I'll speak to pastors, but I think this is true from, you know, just my experience with others is that, that, um, there feels like there's more at stake. So if I'm not, um, I may have to put aside my, my, you know, how real I can be, how honest I can be. So right now, if you're in this climate where you're you know, even a business owner and you're wondering what in the world are we going to do? You know, like how real can I be with my, my, my board? How real can I be with those under me and, and that are, you know, under my leadership? How real can I be with my spouse right now that I'm freaking out and I don't have a, I don't know what to do. Um, but there's a tremendous amount of pressure. And especially in terms of pastors I meet with, um, there's a lot of them that are feeling like they're, they're looking at and thinking about exit strategies more than they are about how do I fix this or write this ship. And that makes me sad because I, I know it's because they don't feel this pressure to be honest and, and open 
with where they're at. Right. And I think, I think that's part of it is, uh, you know, just being able to be honest and open about where you're at, be transparent enough, um, not, not to, not to freak everybody out, but, but to allow them to be a part of the solution, um, and not to, not to, not to be so isolated, um, from it. But yeah, it's, it's, it's a tremendous amount of pressure. No doubt about it. Matt, thank you so much for spending some time with us today. I appreciate yeah, you being on the podcast. So I think you are going to give some great value to our listeners. Uh, once again, go check out your caring Uh That's where you will find Matt and also on all social media platforms and check out his little videos that he posted. I, I don't mean to say little videos. I guess they're short videos that he posts. <laughs> Um, but thank you again, Matt, for being with us. Uh, yeah, you're awesome. You. Look forward to connecting again. Yeah. Thanks for the work you guys do. Appreciate it. Thanks, Matt. Have a great day, man. Today's episode is sponsored by Work Chaplain. Work Chaplain ignites hope and gives comfort when life doesn't go as planned. They provide soul care and encouragement to businesses throughout the world. Work Chaplain equips businesses with compassionate chaplains that seek to build relationships and support each employee and their families to help advance the vision of the business. Your team's success is their team's goal. Whether virtual or in-person, Work Chaplain creates a safe space that helps foster a healthy and thriving workplace culture. Connect with Work Chaplain today at workchaplain.com and follow them on all social media platforms.